Welcome back, you all. We What's are here good? on episode six now. How was your week? Uh, it was a good week. Had some really good feedback about the last show in particular. Me too, man. I guess we should talk about what today is. Oh, it's St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, so it's a day of special significance in that regard. Everybody's a little Irish on this day. Yeah. and I Except feel... the Italians, remember? remember? Well, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Italians definitely aren't. Um, so honestly, today's subject matter also is is kind of timely in that regard because our buddy Cato, he was a big uh, St. Patty's Day guy. Uh, like to enjoy the festivities much like the rest of us. So it's going to be great to honor his memory on a day like today. He would have been all about friends getting together, talking, having a good time. Absolutely. So with that being said, Josh and I will discuss and memorialize our dear friend and former co-host, Cato. And for those who knew him by his birth name, Jamie Barton, we will be bringing Brandon back on uh, to help get us through this episode, talk about some special memories, uh, just kind of lean on each other a little bit here in remembrance and just kind of, you know, memorialize the guy, just give him some tribute. He's well-deserved, impacted many people's lives right. in the area. A tribute well-deserved, for sure. Absolutely. And we were actually going to go ahead and get some general housekeeping stuff out of the way here at the start of the episode as well. We want to thank everybody for the recent listens on the last episode, episode five, uh, as far as where it's tracking in comparison to previous episodes is one of our more popular episodes, uh, actually, and is, is is well on its way to have the most plays of any episode that we've done to date. We had a lot of fun with that one, too. That was a lot of fun. I think it, it definitely translated over the airwaves. And, you know, and we talked about a subject matter that Josh and I didn't really know much about or have, have much interest in it. But, you know, having had the discussion, I had an all-new appreciation and enjoyment. Um, and I'm, I'm actually even scheduled to do a sit-in at some point with Brandon, whenever he does one of his uh, quests or his meetings, if you will, that'll be interesting. You know, I'm just going to kind of take the God's eye of you and kind of see what goes on to get a little bit better of an understanding of it as well. So well, intrigue me that much. It'll be something new. And that being said, getting into some of the feedback we got for the episode, you know, my brother-in-law in particular, Skyler, he and I had a little bit of a discussion before we were going to tackle that subject. I had asked him if he knew anything about it, played it, or was ever into it as a younger kid. And uh, in his social circles, a lot of folks were. and But he was aware of it, but never into it himself. But he listened to it, felt like we kept it entertaining, kept the conversation moving. And to me, you know, as far as a standpoint of appealing to people that wouldn't have ordinarily been into that subject, to me, that's one of the highest pieces of compliments that we could get from anybody. Absolutely, yeah. That's like, I'm super appreciative of anything, any compliment, but yeah, yeah. that's basically what we're trying to achieve. So absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. And appreciate definitely that. appreciative of anybody actually, you know, listening period, but to get that type of feedback kind of puts a little extra wind in your sails. Uh, also, we had a good friend, Robert Scott Burt, who you will hear from today. Um, he actually reached out to me, told me he listened to the episode and it actually made him homesick. So in a different way, that also is of the highest compliments right. that you could pay us in our opinions. Yeah, that's awesome. So that, 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 that meant a lot. Trying so to capture that it. hometown, that hometown feel that we all know, you know what I mean? That brought us all together to begin with. So. Absolutely. And that's certainly a part of, you know, I guess a, a mission statement if we had one. Right. Is that we are trying to kind of recapture some gold, some of the golden years, some right. of our, you know, formative years. It made us who we are. times. You know what who I mean? we are. Yeah. Kind of give you a little bit of a peek into our life and, how entertaining it is or isn't, <laughs> I guess that's up for debate. But uh, 
So some more general housekeeping type stuff to get out of the way. We, of course, have email now, atipodcastquestions at gmail.com. If you want to reach out to us, want to send us a submission for the show to possibly, whether it's music, original music, uh, poetry, anything of that. You want to be on the show? Yeah, you want to be on this show. Perhaps you're a comedian. You can do a comedic bit and send it in the show, and we'd be happy to feature you as an artist. Feel free to email us at atipodcastquestions at gmail.com to do so. Some more social media plugs. We've got Instagram, of course, now. It's the ATI Podcast. We've got Twitter at podcast underscore ATI. Facebook at facebook.com backslash ATI Podcast 22. We are working on developing a TikTok. Yeah, I got to get there. <laughs> Josh is more adverse with that uh, TikTok platform than I am. I, I personally don't have one. So Josh has been so kind to undertake that task for us. So as that develops out, we'll be posting that on our other social media for you guys to get on there and follow us. Uh, We've got Twitch, um, but we're also going to take advantage of some of these video opportunities to post stuff up on Twitch as well as YouTube. Twitch is twitch.tv backslash ATI podcast. YouTube is ATI podcast is the channel name. And then, of course, we're on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com backslash all things insane podcast. The OG SoundCloud. Don't forget, all of our social media sites has a hyperlink, a flow code that you can follow, a flow page with all of the jumps to all these individual sites. So don't get overburdened or overwhelmed by hearing all that being thrown at you at once. Want to cover what we got going on going forward here the next five, six weeks or so. So... The content that we're going to be bringing y'all next week, original format, we're going to have a guest on, Mr. Babyface Jake Jackson, <laughs> good friend of ours. He's going to be joining the show to discuss the current state of pro wrestling. We're going to talk about our fandom back in the day. We're going to talk about our present day fandom, what got us into wrestling, right. what keeps us into wrestling. It'll be fun for me. Because like sure. as somebody that, you know, like you're talking about, somebody that enjoyed it so much as a kid and then kind of fallen out, it'll be nice to pick a couple guys' brains that are kind of you know, current into it, interested into it, and kind of can can share some of that current excitement maybe that I had when I was a kid. So I'm pretty pumped for next week's episode. And we're happy to educate you. Yeah. Uh, we're also <laughs> going to talk about this year's WWE WrestleMania card, perhaps maybe make some predictions about what's going to happen and just kind of give, our, again, our opinion of, you know, where the business is at today. So if you're a pro wrestling fan or you were a pro wrestling fan, you'll definitely want to check it out. But I also think that there will be things in there, once again, for folks that never watched pro wrestling or don't know anything about it. So we'll be discussing that next week. After that, we will have some classic content uh, being released. We've also got another guest coming onto the show that I've got scheduled, actually, Jason Asbury from this area. Uh, He's a multi-talented musician, Baby J as many people know him as, or at least that's what I endeared him as. Yeah. You know, whenever... I was playing in the music scene around here, you know, it was a a few years in at this point. This young kid popped up. He was like probably 12 or 13 at the time. And who is this little kid? And he got behind the kid and was holding his own with, you know, adults and things of that nature. And I was like, man, I've got to know who this kid is because, like, you know, I was impressed. Uh, That was Baby J. That was my first introduction to him. I was probably like 21, 22. May have even been playing in a cover band of sorts at the time, but... I just I just recall, you know, seeing him the first time being pretty impressed by his disposition. You know, he is always outside of just his musical abilities, you know, uh, just a really cool guy. I think you get, that's going to translate over into the podcast. But uh, 
He's been involved here locally with a band called Broke Neck that a lot of folks are familiar with. He's also getting some national notoriety now that he's moved up to St. Louis, and he's got some projects such as Bastard, uh, Storm Ruler, and he's actually played the drums for uh, Harkonnen. Is getting back together. I think they're releasing their first album in like 10 years or so, and I used to be a pretty big follower of theirs back in the day. So really a lot of great opportunities for him, and he's doing really well for himself. So we want to get him on here and get him promoted, talk about things he's got going on, you know, CD album releases, shows coming up, that sort of stuff. So it'll be a good time with Jay. He's a kindred spirit, so it'll be a good time. Talked about previously, going to have Jesus Rose on, formerly known as Jones Rose, my buddy, who I'll always know him by as Brian Jones. He and I went to middle school and high school together, and he moves from this area, and he's doing really well for himself in the R&B community now. So just want to talk to him a little bit about that, elaborate life in California now and still chasing the dream, uh, trying to get that bag. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and it'll be interesting. Like, I think we talked about this on the last episode, but again, just to uh, see how somebody from our small town area is, uh, you know, adapting to California or like the, the Los Angeles or Hollywood lifestyle. So I think that'll be a really awesome guest for the show. Absolutely. And he's a good looking guy, so that I don't hurt nothing for his yeah. opportunities out there either. So I'm going to probably have some instas, baby. Yeah, he's going to probably have some interesting <laughs> story for, stories for us. And we're actually going to be playing some of his tracks, uh, some of his new singles. He's got some new singles he put out in the last six months. Um, so really excited about bringing Feature that music. to you guys. We also ha- kind of in a collective brain trust talk about some other things we want to do with the show. Uh, Josh and I are both really into conspiracy theories, as we covered on our old show as well. Um, secret societies, cults. Indeed. Um, we are living in this, like the decade of conspiracy theories. Yeah, so I mean, it's insanity right now. It's even went crazier. You know, we, we talked about some of the QAnon stuff and the pizza gay stuff as well. You know, some of it's going to be covered from a um, entertainment aspect rather than, you know, <laughs> so much as a uh, journalistic standpoint as well. So I think there's a, a lot in store for folks. You know, some serial killer talks. We understand that there's a million podcasts out there like that covering right, true crime true, and that sort of crime, stuff. Right. We're going to bring a little bit different spin on it as well. Um, so just kind of look forward to that going forward. So without further ado, we're going to get to the man of the hour. And we're going to bring on Mr. Brandon Stewart to discuss our dear friend, Cato, the great Gatsby. Gregory Sycamore. Uh, Gregory Sycamore. Yeah, I haven't done that guy in a long time. Yeah. Uh, what's need... going on? <laughs> guy. Oh, we, Isn't we... it something? I was just talking to Beavis Davis the 21st of the 23rd, 27th century the other day. Oh, uh, really? Tell yeah. me, Gregory. Did you learn anything? Mm-mm-mm, Gregory. Yeah. He wanted a crunchy bowl of raisins to sit there and hang out with me. Oh, my goodness. What a nice little treat. A raisin, I mean, he dipped his balls in grease. 
I've got real crunchy on the outsides. Mm. And I call them little raisin balls. Little raisin ball (laughs) crunchy bits. So we are getting together today to talk about our dear friend, Cato Gatsby. Um, Obviously born Jamie Barton of Farmington, Missouri on December 31st of 1981. Cato also has a brother as well as a sister. I just kind of wanted to start the discussion with us today, how we first met Cato, and I'll start by sharing my story and then we'll kind of go around the room. But of course, we've got Brandon and Josh here as well to kind of talk about their first memories with Cato. Um, So how I first met Cato was actually, I was in a hardcore band, straight edge hardcore band of all hardcore bands, um, (laughs) called that Point Blank. Uh, it was with Garrett Gadsden, Michael Jones, Ridge Jackson, as well as uh, Matt Link. And uh, we opened for the band Hoods at Bob Arenos, which is their hardcore legend. So it's kind of fucking wild that we got such an opportunity. My very first show I, I ever did. played. I, I opened I for Hoods. That, but still, that is fucking insane that that happened. Yeah. And it, Cato happened to be like running the show, just doing sound, that sort of stuff. And immediately, my first impression was like, who the fuck is this character? And, and you know, <laughs> I judge people pretty hard in the first 10 minutes of my experiences with them to, like, you know, <laughs> my brain operates at a level sometimes. It's just like, okay, not interested in being friends. Right. Or something to that oak, as petty as that is. So Something cues you. Yeah, right. Yeah. So he was kind of acting out uh, as he did. Yeah. and. Um, you know, it's kind of He's a pretty little bastard. He was he was garnering the tension of I would say the room, but it was outside, you know, out in Barberinos when they'd have shows outdoors and stuff. So, but yeah, he was drawing a lot of tension, seemed like a lot of people knew him. He seemed like the guy to know in that regard. So, that was just kind of how I met him first. What about you, Brandon? Um, for me, it was I I mean, I had heard several things about Cato in the past. Uh, being in the scene and playing with Dress for a Funeral and then uh, Breed Love. I hadn't heard about him, uh, but he was always friends with bands that I didn't like for no fucking reason at all, uh, other than I thought it was like mainstream or wasn't cool music or whatever. Or somebody came off as douchey and I didn't get to know him. Uh, And specifically because I had this conversation with Cato and the other individual, uh, catch the light because I was, uh, I forget, I think his name was Nick, the lead singer. Yeah, Nick. Uh, sure. And we were, yeah. and I was like, I gotta be honest, man. I never talked to you because I thought you were a fucking douchebag and I had no reason to think that other than sure. I just assumed because you didn't like the same music as me right. or didn't play the same music as me. Uh, which kind of, okay, first time I met Cato, uh, <laughs> I met him at Domino's, I believe. Is whenever I first got to know Cato. And like, I actually remember... had a conversation with him. Between him and Ben Trum delivering, yeah. Probably. Oh my God, that <laughs> fucking greasy fuck. I hope you're listening right now. Or your brother. You're greasy. <laughs> and I'm into it. I'm into it. Uh, so, yeah, so whenever I first met Cato, I was working at Domino's. I was kind of forced into a situation where uh, I had to get to know him. <laughs> and I think right. one of the first things he said to me was, hey, what's up, fuckface? And I'm like, I don't fucking know you, man. Right. I, and I, and let's preface it this time. We're all in our late teens, early 20s. Right, right. 
So we're all pretty fucking douchey. Okay. Right, so right. everybody here involved is kind of a fucking asshole at some point. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm still an asshole. <laughs> I mean, like, I had, you you I are what you eat, Brandon. These people for nothing. I didn't fucking, whatever. Anyways, uh, yeah, but that's how, I, that's how I first met Kato. How about you, Josh? What's your first memory of Kato? I know it was at a show, and I, I, like, I could be completely wrong, but I want to say I was a junior in high school. And I was at a Westcott and Ashes of Adrian show at the Rock House the first time I met Kato. That sounds likely. And, yeah, yeah, I mean, the specific memories of first meeting Kato, I mean, I'm trying to describe a specific memory. But, yeah, he's a very in-your-face individual. I do remember that. Like, the first time I met him, like, it's hard for me to remember the specific specific event. But, you know, very in-your-face, very, you know... Uh, yeah, and um, yeah, just definitely the music scene. Always, always promoting music. Every time I ran into Cato, he was always talking about a show coming up or a show that he was involved with, you know. And that's how I early on met Cato was just through music. And like I said, I want to say it was at that Westcott Ashes of Adrian show. Um, not hundred percent sure though, but it was definitely yeah. at the Rock House. I want to say. Honestly, I had to kind of, you know, I I was thinking like, you know, getting prepared for the show. I had where did I meet Kato? It's right, so hard yeah. because you I saw couldn't... him so much, especially if you ever went to shows, played shows in the Farmington area. He was usually either involved or had a friend that was playing. Yeah, like or, I didn't, you know, I didn't have like a specific first memory with right. Kato. You know what I mean? Like other than like you guys have talked about like, you know, hey, fuck face, you know, stuff right, like that. Right. Very, very similar interactions with Kato earlier. Sure. Kato early on. He never met anybody he didn't know. Right, right. In that regard. I will say, yeah, he treated no one like a stranger. Right. <laughs> he was he was the literal cheers. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, he was the embodiment of cheers, right? Yeah. For sure. No doubt. Uh, and how appropriate. Everybody's beer too. <laughs> that's that's likely as well. I think that's that did happen possible. on a few occasions. Uh that's very possible. I didn't get to know Cato as well as you guys did until actually later on, you know, when sure. I kind of got involved with the podcast and kind of got to know him more on a personal level. So right. it's it is nice for me too to, you know, talk about the early stages of you guys meeting him because i didn't get into it until later on with kato so but yeah definitely delivering me pizzas too kato has delivered me (laughs) so many pizzas (laughs) dude that whole farmies and dominoes i'm sure through that whole period when he was there dude they all yeah and he had a few different stints there too so that was yeah it was multiple periods Yeah. yeah right um, so with today's show also, we're going to have infused, um, some recordings that folks sent in to share memories of Cato. Uh, I felt like the recording that, um, was sent in by our good friend, Fro Collinsworth. Um, he kind of talks about how he first met Cato as well. So I'm going to pitch to that right now. Uh, so everybody can hear that. This is Fro Collinsworth. So I, uh, I met Cato before I met Cato. And by that, I mean, whenever I was about 16, I was at a basketball court with one of my friends. And he was telling me that uh, there was a guy that came with him that was probably going to end up being his stepbrother. And that guy was Cato. And uh, even then, at the age of 15, Cato was uh, a very memorable person. Um, but uh, he ended up, their parents ended up not getting married and they ended up not stepbrothers and Cato moved away shortly after that. So um, I didn't see him again. I didn't meet him again until uh, I was in college. 
and it was just by chance that uh, I was hanging out with a group of people that were all kind of the music and theater students um, there at the college. And uh, we were, you know, me and one of the other guys that I played music with were talking about, we were setting up a field party that night, just, hey, pass out flyers and get a bunch of people to come and hang out and listen to music and and uh, drink and such. And uh, uh, Cato happened to be standing there at the same time and he was like oh you guys play music hey we play music too we'll come and play and that was really the the beginning of my friendship with Cato was you know playing in bands and playing music together and uh i started hanging out with him and um uh you know a, a group of friends at the time over in farmington quite a bit and uh you know le- years later as uh times passed um, I ended up playing in bands with Cato, and I mean, really, playing music was only the catalyst to the uh, the friendship that developed over years. Um, and Cato was the type of friend I, I actually described him one time um, as the type of friend that if I called him in the middle of the night, 2 a.m., if I called him and I said, "Hey, man, I'm in Indiana." I can't tell you what's going on or why I'm here, but I need you to come pick me up. He would say, what city am I driving to? And that would all, I mean, that would be the end of the conversation. That's the kind of friend he was. And those kinds of friends are few and far between. And I consider myself privileged to have been able to call Cato friend. Thanks for, for your submission. We appreciate it. So From here, I want to kind of talk about Cato's bands because, you know, the music is what drew us all together. Brandon, that's how I first met you as well, you know, was through playing shows, going and seeing Dress for Funeral. Yep, absolutely. Actually, the first time. That's how we all met each other. Yeah, the first time. I met Josh first. Um, And, by the way, it was wonderful to hear your voice, man. We can hear it all on the open mic, it's live. You just came in from downtown Farmington, or if you moved to St. Louis, maybe possibly Columbia. I'm not exactly sure because I'm not a news reporter. But I can tell you one thing, Fro. I hope you still have that, Fro. Anyways. I think so, it's genetic. I don't think uh, it's yeah, a choice. Yeah, what we were saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, we met each other through bands. Yeah. Right. yeah. So, um, you know, Cato, he played in many bands or was involved with many bands, so... He himself was in Winter Like Death, right. Trio Kickstand, as well as Across the Atlantic. Winter Like Death, I remember a lot. I went to a lot yeah. of Winter Like Death shows. And and Fro was in some of those bands with him yep. as well. So, um, you know, and, and they were different iterations with different people, but that's kind of how we became friends with Fro and the Shrums and, you right. know, all of those people as well. Um, you know, I went to school with Marcus Newstead. He was a few years ahead of me, so. He's doing really well, right? And he's doing really well for Good. himself in St. Good. Louis, but. Marcus, I guess, technically was the first connection to Cato. Like, I knew Marcus better than Cato. Well, and you and Marcus together. are from the same area, yeah, too. Yeah, we're from, so. both from AV. Right, right, um, right. So, but, you know, it's it's he's been involved in so many people's, you know, social connections in that regard, whether it's more of a networking aspect of things, you know, through the music and everything. But, uh, you know, Cato was very talented himself. He could play guitar. 
Uh, he could, you know, he sang in his he bands. He vocally blew me away. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think he really shined whenever he and Marcus did the judo kickstand stuff where right. they were doing the acoustic stuff and they yeah. do covers like they would do Third Eye Blind, which I was always a Third Eye Blind mark. Hell yeah. You know, that's good 90s that brought back, Yeah, right. Rock, brought back you know? childhood vibes. Man. Yeah, and if you're watching, uh, not to get too off track, but if you're watching uh, Pam and Tommy, uh, they make their way in there. It's pretty funny, man. It's really well, I funny. heard that because uh, uh, there's some like refuting as to what actually took place there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's it's actually it's a pretty good representation. I wasn't gonna watch it at first because uh, she didn't give consent to the story. But anyways, not right. to get off track. We're talking about Kato. We're not talking about right. big boobs. <laughs> yeah. And I don't mean that in a sexist way. I mean she had gigantic boobs. He just means that she had giant voluptuous breasticles. That's all they. And meant. she did, man. They were big. On purpose. So, Get over it. <laughs> so uh, talking about Cato's bands, of course, and talking about all these people, social connections that we had, um, you know, that led to partying. And Cato was known for his parties, as Brandon talked about earlier. Um, you know, he threw these epic house parties, and they were essentially in his basement. Um, but this brought all kinds of people together from different oh, social yeah. circles. Like Brandon said, you know, there was people there that I hated just for the sheer fact they dated girls that I dated, you know, petty as that is. Um, and he somehow found a way to get everybody into his basement. Yeah. Together. I, yeah, Josh. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. The fuck, really? the spectrum that was there was for me because Barrett kind of grew up around some of these people and so did you, Josh. Yeah. I didn't fucking know anybody. Right, right. right. I'm like, okay, I didn't know Farmington existed besides, you know, they play football against North County all the time. I was more, most of my time was spent up in St. Louis and Arnold area, most of my childhood. And I didn't come down south until I was like, I mean, further south till later on. But yeah, so everybody's there. I know I can put a name to everybody. But they are all completely fucking different. And <laughs> like range their their emotions and, and personalities are on a spectrum that can't be described by scientists, I don't right. think. No. No, I'm with you. Like it was actually if you really think about it, you know, I, again going back thinking about Cato and, and getting materials together for this episode. I never really considered that comment that Josh really made there was the fact that he somehow figured out to get everybody in his basement that, <laughs> that while it's, I was being a little nefarious, but you right. know, <laughs> but no, it's, it's, it's actually, it's actually situation. Yeah. Well, for sure. I, I mean, didn't he even did think about rep, that. He did. What I if it fucking was? They were separated at birth. Oh my God. But yeah. What if you were dancing on top of them little boys buried under his concrete floor? Oh, but, oh here's the other thing. How many times do you fucking black out of Kato's house? Well, yeah. I can name a couple different fucking handfuls of that yeah. shit. Absolutely. Hey, and uh, you know that's where you met Gregory Sycamore at, Brandon. Hell yes, I did. I came as a fun-loving substitute teacher that comes in every once in a while and takes care of business. He drinks a lot of Pepto Hismol, and he's got a hookup <laughs> to his guy Pepto Hismol, depending um, <laughs> on. I like a little bush frame around it, but uh, a bush frame of crystals, uh, sugar crystals, like right around the edge. But yeah, it's, it's delightful. Like a little special martini? Yeah. Like a little dick Maybe martini? Make a little, 
Yeah, you just got to stick that syringe in there. There you go. And, you know, this is the type of chatter that Cato would love. And This is this, the, this very is, much. I, I literally came to his Halloween party one year as, and I don't know who listens to this, but <laughs> I came, I came, uh, I was trying to think of the most outrageous thing because I was competing with Cato, the most outrageous fucking person on the planet. Yeah. Uh, I came to his party as a pedophile. <laughs> I just want to make sure that that's clear. I also have kids. I don't touch kids. <laughs> if you get sweaty and want to take your shirt off, that'd be just fine. We'll tie it in a knot. I just got a sick sense of humor just like that fucker did. Uh, and that's, Absolutely. Yeah, like I think that that's what drove me, not to go too off the reels with what you got going on, Bear, but that's the... Thing that kind of drove me to Cato was I was dark before or I thought I was but I get a lot of enjoyment even to this day from dark humor I mean I make suicide jokes my dad committed suicide I make you know I joking about something is a coping mechanism to be able to deal with stuff like that and that's the way Absolutely. I deal with it right but uh he really taught me like he would say the craziest shit. And the only thing you can fucking do is either just sit there and laugh at him, or if you're like me and want fucking attention all the time, try and make people laugh right. or make him laugh. It's a, it's a bit which of a game of one, one upsmanship, if you will. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But yeah, yeah, he, the quick wit in particular, man, it was just something to be and, amazed or yeah. behold sometimes, you know? And, um, you know, really, I, as Josh mentioned as well, I think our friendship took on a new complexion, a new level whenever we started doing the podcast together. Right. Um, I got to know Cato way more personally once we started doing the podcast. So, And, you know, that forced us to have difficult conversations. That podcast forced us to get to know each other better. That forced us to explore our humor and well, our boundaries. And that time another. for me was so important because... You know, you're from this area and you're raised in a certain environment and like you're in that specific moment when you're growing up that you're trying to identify yourself and you're trying to establish your values and who you really are, you know. And for him, he knew who he was like there was no doubt about who he knew who he was, you know what I mean? And having conversations with him helped me maybe question some of my some of the things that I've been taught as a child or you know what I mean? And kind of maybe establish a better moral than maybe I thought I had. So Sure. So, well, it's and and think about this, Josh, and what you're saying too. So, the man who would make the most fucking insane jokes was teaching you morals, and that's something I definitely got from him too. I, we all did, right, right. We were around people that fundamentally we should have never been around based upon our conversations right, right. and yeah. somehow we all fucking connected with them and hung out with them right because of that fucking dude right yeah yeah there was i mean i remember you know three or so distinct nights and, and mind you we're getting like blitzed at these these house parties but in the basement like i remember distinctly conversations that i was having like deep conversations i was having with people that i really never knew and ever, ever even cared to quite frankly before, you know, those relationships and those conversations advanced in that basement, you know? Right. Um, 
mean, there's a lot of us still yet that like every time we see each other, you know, we refer to those times just because it's so fond, um, very formative times for all of us, quite frankly. I mean, Brandon, you spend a lot of time over there too, right before you left to go to the military. And I know I was that, pretty much over there like every night there for yeah. like a week or two. And yeah. when you came it back, was, was the first place we went. The, fir- when the first time you came back was the first place we went to Cato's. Cato's. Yeah. So that that guy really, I mean, I, I'm not trying to take away from any other of our friendships, but it wasn't. I don't think it was. It's it was a more of a family thing. You know how your like, your parents are like, uh, I'm not your friend. I'm your your mom or your dad. That guy. I guess I could call him a friend, but he was more family, family. Like I, he was a friend, but I, he's it, more it's of a, a big hard thing to describe. To yeah. yeah. A big brother to me, you know? Yeah. It, yeah. That actually makes more sense to me because, uh, that, that's, and that's where I'm thinking too, is I had to go see him. I didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, a question as to whether or not you were. Right. 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 Like, Oh, yeah. will I have time? No, you were going to, right. And, you know, that again, that was kind of all around the time that we were doing the, the previous incarnation of the podcast. So, you know, Kato was with us for half of that run, nearly. And, um, you know, that developed our relationships between that and the parties. Kato then, you know, wasn't even a year or two down the line that I was getting married. And I asked Kato to do Pam and I's wedding. And so he went through all the rigor morale to do so. He did an amazing job, by the way. I thought so, your guys' ceremony was beautiful. Yes, so. absolutely. And uh, so Pam actually recorded something, my wife. We're going to hear from her as she elaborates on him doing our wedding as well, in particular. This is Pam Lewis, and I wanted to leave a little something uh, about Cato. I first met Cato through Barrett Lewis, uh, who invited me to Cato's famous basement parties. They were a lot of fun, and I met a lot of really great people there, of which I'm still friends with today. Um, I will say that first impressions of Cato, I didn't think that he liked me very much just because he kind of gave me shit right out the gate. And uh, over time, though, you learn that that's just Cato, you know, very sarcastic and jokes and um, just a really fun guy. Yeah, I, I really love and miss him. Um, I often think about, you know, in today's world with the current events and politics and things like that, you know, what would, like, what would Cato do? What would Cato say? Because I'm sure he'd have a lot to say. And I wish that he was still here for us to be around that. Um, I just think, yeah, it'd be fun. Um, but... Uh, one thing that really sticks out to me about Cato. So, um, when Barrett and I were getting married, our first wedding officiant fell through and we thought, well, why not ask Cato? You know, we couldn't think of anyone better to officiate our wedding. Um, but he wasn't like licensed to do so. So we brought the idea up to him and, I might have this wrong, but I don't think Cato necessarily believed in the institution of marriage. Um, But 
he was very happy to do it for us. Uh, he went through all the steps. He got his certification and he, uh, yeah, agreed to marry us. And it really meant a lot. Um, I think about this often, but he did say that he wouldn't have done it for anybody else. Um, you know, he wouldn't have agreed to do it for anybody else that he believed in me and Barrett enough and believed in our love for one another enough that, you know, he said yes. Um, and I think about that a lot, you know, whenever things get tough in a relationship or whenever me and Barrett get into kind of an argument, you know, I think, well, Cato believed in us enough. So, you know, I have to, 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 you know, we can work through this and, you know, get over this hump. And because he's no longer with us today, it kind of holds a little more over my head, I feel like, just to try hard for our relationship. And um, I don't know that I ever really brought that up to Barrett, but it does pop into my head pretty often. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, I appreciate Cato and everything that he brought to my life and, um, I miss him a lot. He literally fucked their wedding. He, d he did it. He did the wedding. He was just plowing into that wedding. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just <laughs> handfuls yeah. of cock in there, just slamming in to that wedding cake. Balls deep. It was. He was getting back at me. Hey. Because I had the rival promotion, Balls Deep Productions, that Josh and I was doing. Mm -hmm. And yep. he was the Gatsby machine. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. he got mad. Mm -hmm. So he says, I'm going to go Balls Deep. See, I'm, I'm going to take that name that you had because you was my rival. On well, the you street. remember what he said. And I'm going to go Balls Deep in your wife. And he I was said, like, Jesus. He said, Kato. three inches is hell at 100 mile an hour. <laughs> Which is really weird because most of the movie is this, their dialogue. It's just dialogue. It's weird. Yeah. It's a porno, just dialogue. It's, yeah, it's all visual, too. Yep. In all seriousness, man, he brought such a professionalism to our wedding. It was amazing. You know, Pam and I aren't religious people, um, nor do we have any interest in being. And he knew that, and he wasn't either. Um, but he just you know you still figured out a way to make very... it like a ceremony though Absolutely. you know what i mean like regardless of religious affiliation yeah. it still felt pam and i came from sorted religious backgrounds right. if you will right. in particular very strict te christian teachings in some ways um whether it's more archaic themes about how families work or literal doctrines that were forced upon us um but you know, we made it a point to tell Cato that, you know, we don't want, don't feel no obligation to make this religious because it's not, this is about us. This has nothing to do with the religion. Right, right. This is a relationship between two people. And, you know, that was the only guidance that I gave him. And the first time that I heard, you know, standing there at the wedding, it like, I cried like a fucking baby. Josh can tell you. I cried multiple like a bitch times. Too. <laughs> I, hearing him, hearing Pam's, um, vows it's just the natural things at weddings i couldn't even get through my vows without crying you know so it's just it's an emotional time anyways but i need Kato, to find that picture of me and tony he really did it a fantastic job at officiating our wedding 
Um, you know, I can't say enough great things, and he went on to do others. So kind of where my relationship chronologically went from there, uh, we did kind of, Cato and I hooked back up to do, well, <laughs> it's funny that we mentioned the religious thing. Cato and I hooked up to do an atheist slash agnostic podcast. That just kind of was the working title. Um, but we wanted to sit down. We had people from various backgrounds. We even had a devout, you know, Christian there as well, practicing Christian or two. Um, we had some folks that were on the agnostic fence that were full blown agnostic. And then we had some folks that were, uh, you know, straight up atheists in the room. So we, we tried to bring an eclectic group of people together. There was like the first time we recorded, it was like 12 people. Uh, I don't think it ever made the light of day, but it was an awesome conversation. The first episode. So essentially you had an assigned reading, you had to read Genesis, the book of Genesis, and then come with your questions and discussion. And then Cato kind of played point guard and, and talked about, you know, thematically what happened. And then what did you have to say about this and that and went around the room, went around the table for anybody that had anything to contribute. So I I felt like it would have been a very good conversation, regardless, Christian, not Christian in between so on and so forth, just because it was, it was the way to approach those type of conversations and talks. I felt like. Well, and it was important to this area, too, because that's why there's such a big gap between older people and younger people. You know what I mean? Because they won't communicate sure. how they feel or talk about religion or, you right. know. Well, so, the sensitive subjects, of course. Right. And it was a way to way. bridge a gap between people that, you know, thought differently. You know what I mean? So I love that show. But we we were only able to do a couple episodes of it. So in other memories about Cato and kind of chronologically the things that he did, another big memory that sticks out to me is that he organized uh, an engagement scavenger hunt with Jordy. I knew him as Dave Hamblin initially. Back in the day, Josh and I worked with him at McDonald's, so that's how we – well, he went to school with him. That's how yeah. I met him. Let me put and it then I way. ended up working with him at um, – Accent, right? Yeah, Accent, yeah. Yeah. And so Jordy and, and Cato became really good friends also as well as roommates. Um, so Cato officiated Pam and I's wedding at first, and then he agreed to do Jordy and Ashton's. Um, so Cato, this again speaks to the person that he was and the selfless things that he would do. He literally recorded a video in Scavenger Hunt and edited it down and everything. I mean, he did everything with uh, Jordy. And they did this scavenger hunt where they set up Ashton to go around literally like the Farmington area and find these clues that eventually led back to, I think it was uh, Dave Hamlin's... Um, his grandma's house, Jordy's house. Dumpster. Yeah, dumpster. It was, dumpster it was definitely outside of a dumpster fire. And in fact, you know, I think it was a Domino's to kind of like bring it back in. <laughs> oh my so, God, is she dead? It could be. Um, so Holy shit. They did, they did set her, uh, his grandma on fire uh, with some lighter fluid. Um, I know it seems easy and cheap and kind of stereotypical, but it was out of convenience. No, it's, it's the Midwest. It's actually thing, really you know? hard. Yeah. Wind was blowing really hard that day. <laughs> really hard that day. I was just spectating. That's, allegedly, I got to use that word allegedly. here because now we're liable. Yeah. No man, I was spectating. Yeah, and I, I was, was on the dime of ATI podcast. I was on the dime of ATI podcast. They're legally binding. Um, I've signed a contract. I'm going to give you Brandon's social security number right now. He is actually listed as the legal representative of this podcast. The proprietor. It's it's actually my social security oh. number is four eight eight. Careful now. Somebody use a scrambler to figure out the rest of that. Uh, but back to Jordy and Ashton. So. Like he, he elaborated, like he made this video and even edited it 
to the point that we could all watch what took place in the scavenger hunt up to that point. Oh, wow. At, at, from my recollection, and they did up um, the garage to where she had to go. I want to say it was like a maze Ashton had to go into. And it resulted in him being on one kneeling and, and everybody there to surprise her because we all came over in one van. So she didn't know all these people were there. Yeah. Like Fro brought us, uh, Pam and I and some, several other people over in a van and she came out to much surprise seeing everybody there, like not knowing what's going on and Cato and Jordy are there. And he like facilitated, like literally facilitated their engagement. Like, what an was, engagement, man. It was, I, I've never seen anything like it. I doubt I'll ever see anything like it. Again and and Jordy, fuck you for making me look bad on my engagement. Because <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't even my wife talk about mine now. <laughs> hated me because I didn't do anything. New if my wife listens to this day. and finds out that somebody did that around here, I'm a deep shit. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> well, nobody knew he had it in him because Jordy He's quite uh, a guy. came in like pretty late into. Uh, well, I mean, not pretty late. Like it, Jordy was like the little little brother for Cato sure. for me. Yeah. Uh. And Jordy would always say, like, one-word answers at first because he was nervous. And for him to come up with such a fucking elaborate plan. Absolutely. Like, yeah. What the fuck? It, kid's a child genius. Yeah. They should have called him Million Dollar Baby. Or he's really, really, really in love. Tilda Swank. <laughs> yeah, there or, is that. Uh, Hilda Swank? <laughs> What's her name? Hillary Swank. What about her? Hillary Swank? Her Million Dollar Baby. Million Dollar Baby. Yeah. I think, yeah. So she played in that, right? Yeah. He was basically like her. <laughs> he was Hillary Swank in that. And he was Clint Eastwood. Cato? I don't even know. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Put her out? Yeah. Pipping it up? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah. you got it to a T. So, you know, his, uh, this whole engagement thing was just like on another level. Yeah. And, um, you know, that memory is always I, I will always remember that very vividly and again it just spoke to the type of person that Cato is so uh, some other memories when they doing like some talk show stuff on YouTube yeah so he started doing his own YouTube channel that's what he had actually left the podcast to do and so he started producing his own content and we are going to post the channel um, it's just simply Cato Gatsby on on YouTube but He's actually got a good chunk of videos up there. It's, it's. I don't think it's any less than twelve, maybe as many as sixteen that he did. Um, but really hilarious content, <laughs> just funny humor. It's got elements of you know, um, whitest kids you know to it in some respects, but it's like very smart and intelligent humor. Right. Things about Martin Luther King Day and uh, thesaurus and synonyms and how words sound um, dynamically and how people put weird accents on them. Sometimes. I mean, just the, he tackles race in it. I mean, he like, he, there's no, but it's all done in a lighthearted way. Um, so it's, it's, they're really cool to check out. So he had these, all these amazing things and controversial things that he covered on his YouTube channel, but did it in a very, not only informative, but entertaining and comedic way uh, to bring some levity to th subject matter sometimes that, you know, people don't find humor in or, you know, are stone cold serious about. So he had, and, and on all the videos kind of format wise, there's some as short as two and a half minutes. There's some that's seven minutes long. I mean, especially in today's climate, it'd be easy to knock some of those out. There's satire filled. Of course, he's actually did some song parodies and like the ilk of a weird owl also <laughs> no. on there. That was pretty funny. I need to pull that shit back up. It's um, been a while. So, and you know, it's just, 
and and actually a, a, a friend in those basements, uh, going back to those talks, Tim Counts, did an episode where he mocked uh, Cato, and and Tim is a guy that is kind of one of those examples that like I did never like, but I met him. Dude's got my fucking sarcastic humor, and like <laughs> he's an awesome guy, you know. And I know that him and Cato got very close, even though that he was working down in Panama, and everything. You know, again, th- th- but that speaks to the impact that Cato had on people. You know, you could be thousands of miles away on, in an right. entirely different country, you know, um, and still yet have those type of relationships that you needed to come back. You, you had to see Cato. It wasn't a matter of obligation right. that Brandon talked to earlier. I definitely, I had reached out to him, speaking about Barrett's wedding, I had reached out to him about my wedding and tried to get him going about that and i think a lot of the conversation was we're gonna see what we can do and then it kind of slipped off which was kind of uncharacteristic of cato uh cato some people could say it was dude if i wanted to hit up cato whenever i got home and told him last second he just told me to come over right Plain and simple. Or if I just dropped by. He was more spontaneous versus planning something out. Yeah. Well, and not only that, like, you could ask Cato to do anything too, but towards the end, like, his enthusiasm, like, dropped off. Yeah, it seemed like Which was weird, and I think I talked to Barrett several times over the phone. Like, yeah, he was supposed to do this, but I, you know, can't get a hold of him. He said he's busy with the paper. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that's just what I remember. Um, yeah. And I don't want to go straight to that subject, but the, yeah, man, he was always just somebody to drop what the fuck he was doing. And not that I expected that either. Right. It's just that there was a shift. That's there. who he was. That's just who he was. Right. Right. You know, that's something else that I wanted to talk about was any other, I mean, I just went through things kind of bullet point esque, um, in my timeline with Cato, and that's kind of egocentric of me, I guess, to do. But, you know, I want to talk to you guys about what are some other memories of Cato that you'd like to share. Oh, God, which memory? Like, I have so many with Cato. <laughs> I'm trying to narrow down one. For me, it was definitely, and this isn't even, this is about Cato, but it's reconnecting with a friend. I, well... A friend. At one time, I used to be uh, a. I worked about a lot of my life in pizza. I will say that I got a lot of greasy pizza on my hands, man. I got to <laughs> tell you, uh, I went. I, I did the whole fucking spectrum. I did Emos. I did Pizza Hut. I did Domino's. I did Papa John's. The only thing I didn't do was uh, was uh, Pogolinos. I didn't do Pogolinos. <laughs> that was like. Down yeah. in my neck of the woods. Right. Anyways, did a lot of pizza. Anyways, uh, so Jason Hebb, and I know you're listening, you fucking grizzly little bastard. I miss <laughs> you. Uh, he used to throw pizza pans at me. He would get so pissed off at me. Oh, he was my boss at one point. Uh, he was my boss, and he would, he hated me. He fucking <laughs> hated me with a passion. <laughs> I, I mean, and I, rightfully so. I was a little fucking shithead. Right. Uh, but at the same time, I meet up with Cato, Heb's hanging out, and we, like, 
connected on music, on everything. And I was like, who the fuck brought Jason Hebb in front of me, this old bastard? Yes, you're old, Jason. You're fucking old. Uh, he brought this old bastard in front of me that I thought, as a teenager, like, man, this guy's all crusty and fucking... I don't want anything to do with him. But he's fucking into punk rock, and I kind of knew that from working with him. But he brought us together, which is another another huge thing for me because Cato had this gift of just like right. threading other people together. So when you had asked me about specific occurrences, it was every fucking day, man. I mean, yeah. It was, and I can't even say that it was anything funny that's memorable because it was all fucking funny. He right. never switched it off. Right. He was and always we, on. We right. all just went with always it. Always on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So actually, it's funny that you bring up Heb because Heb did send me a submission for the show. And uh, he actually had a very special memory about Cato that I want to share now. Hey guys, it's Heb here. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Barrett got a hold of me telling me that they were going to do a podcast on the late, great Cato Gatsby. And asked if I could share a short story or say a few words about our dear friend. Um, I've thought about it and thought about it. And I think the story I want to share is one that most people probably haven't heard. Um, I forget, I don't remember how long ago it was. It was middle of the summer, middle of the week, one day, two carloads of us decided to go to the shut-ins. So we drive down there, we get there, we find our spot, we all sit our asses down the river. We're just kind of people watching, smoking cigarettes, bullshitting, whatever. And I noticed to my left, coming down the river, there's two adult women with their small child who's probably, I don't know, five or six at the most, probably 10 or 15 foot behind them. And the kid was, like, going out towards the deeper part of the river. And I kept watching and watching the kid go farther out. The parents weren't paying attention at all. And I kind of glance over, and I notice Cato's watching, too. Like, eagle eye, paying attention to this kid that these own parents weren't paying attention to. And it gets to the point to where the kid starts bobbing up and down and, like, going underwater. And I look at him, he looks at me, and before I can even get up, Cato is up across the river, grabs his kid by the arm and pulls him up as he's choking on water, walks over to the parents and kind of almost throws the kid at him and says, watch your fucking kid, you dumb fucking bitches, and just walks away, doesn't say another word to him, and sits back down. And I look at him. Like, everybody looks at him like, holy shit, what the fuck just happened? And he's like, fucking none of you? This shit never fucking happened, never speak of it. And then, from so from then on, anytime we were at a party or anything, I'd look at him and be like, hey, kid, remember that one time? And he'd look me dead in the eyes and say, shut your fucking mouth, that never fucking happened. And I just think that is one of those stories that just shows the soft caring side of Cato that most people didn't see and that he did actually care about human beings and the human race and people he didn't know and he wasn't just this giant nihilist asshole that he tried to play off in front of everybody so yeah that's yeah that's my story um yeah fucking one of the best people I've ever met in my fucking life I miss and think about him 
most every day. All right, guys. Thanks, Barrett. Love you guys. See you. So here to talk about the unfortunate news that we got and when we got it, um, I kind of just want to talk about where you were at, maybe some of the emotions that you were feeling. You don't have to share if you don't want to. Um, you know, I just, I want to speak to uh, the last time I saw him. So the last time I saw him, he was delivering me pizza because he picked back up working part-time at Domino's. I hadn't seen him for like at least a year and a half or two years at that point. Yeah. And it had been a while since I had seen him. And he, he showed up my front door, wrote a note on the inside of the pizza box lid, like, enjoy your pizza, cocksucker, you know. <laughs> um, Very Kato. He, he, like, literally sat there and bullshit with me for, like, 15 minutes, like, we never missed a beat, you know. And again, that's the that's the type of friend he was. It was you could pick up right where your conversation left off at. Right. Um, and there was a few occasions that I had texted him previously about trying to get together or doing something or whatever the case was, and he didn't show up or whatever you know, I think maybe one time he randomly made it out to sticks with everybody, but, um, you know, he just kind of fell off from everybody. And I honestly think it has a lot to do with, you know, after Ben Wright, um, took his own life right, as well. And, um, obviously that had a huge impact on Cato because at that point, you know, him and Ben were best friends, I would say is very safe to say, you know, easily and, and Ben, Obviously, is was was very charismatic, well liked, liked by you know a lot of people. Funny, entertaining. Yeah, I went to school with Ben. Talented. Ben was in the same class as me, so I, yeah. I grew up with Ben. I'm you know several classes together in elementary school, and Ben was a good dude. Good dude. So I'm sure you, you know. could elaborate on all of his things that he did in school, like you know. Oh, some dude, of his he was like in yearbook. Like he he always liked did all the art design for the yearbook. I mean, he very was very good okay. artist. Amazing artist was involved in everything art at the school. Um, I think a music in music. I think yeah, maybe he, he was drums. in band for a while. Band. Yeah, yeah, different stuff. I mean, Ben was all around just an amazing artist and a really, really, really nice guy. Another really nice guy. So, so you know, notice the theme here: two nice guys, um, extremely talented. You know, those those type of things attract. Well, and Ben's brother Joel, yeah, also committed suicide. So, yeah. that that I couldn't imagine as like a parent being their parent. You know, losing two of your sons to suicide, you know, mental health struggles. I mean, I just couldn't imagine. Well, that's something we can all speak on as well as, you know, I've, I've struggled. We all here. I don't think I I'm still trading, struggle. Yeah, I struggle to this day with depression mental. and anxiety and it's right. difficult and, you know, doing things like this in particular kind of helps you with that. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. This is like, well, I just want to make sure to all the listeners out there. I'm fine. I'm perfect. Yeah. I've never had any issues <laughs> in my entire life. He's, and uh, I... He's a Texas gold Josh star, baby. Basis, told them they need to just get real with themselves and <laughs> pretend that mental illness is a fake thing brought on by the devil. Daddy? Press is that out. you, Daddy? You swallowed that, Louie. <laughs> you know, seriously, guys, it's fake. Don't believe in it. It's fake news. Right. <laughs> uh, you had to get that line in here. Oh, in God, but, uh, you know, the last time I, I did see Cato, again, it was like nothing. Ever, it was so natural. Right. I was like, man, we got, we got to get together. Oh yeah, man, yeah, 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 yeah. You know that sort of thing. And and I, it was a few months prior to his passing, so it was, it was relatively close to that. And when things like that happen, you always ask yourself, what could have I done? Even whether that's a reasonable question or not, um, to help people, that that's that's at least what I ask. I right. feel like you know that's. I try to be as empathetic as I can 
in those situations, try to understand those people. Maybe that's my coping mechanism, you know, as a part of my grief, perhaps trying to understand why or, or what. Um, and you know, that's something that I, everybody suffers differently with things, you know what I mean? And yeah, I know what you mean. Like asking why and seeing what you could have done different, but I don't think anybody really could narrow down right. probably the thought process of the individual. You know what I mean? Uh, for him specifically. Yeah. And I don't even remember how I found out exactly. To be All I know you. is I had heard. And I literally, I, I called you, I think. Yeah. And I, yeah. and I think I wanted to confirm and I didn't want to be that person on social media to be like, what happened to so-and-so? You know what right. I mean? I didn't want to be that guy. So I, yeah, if, if I remember correctly, me and you had spoke on the phone and yeah. I had asked what happened and. Yeah, I I called Brandon as well. I know. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, that's the first time that I had actually been around suicide at that point. Um, in the military, you kind of see it often. Where it hap- I mean, it happens quite often. Yeah. But that's the first time that I've been around it, and yeah, that's. I mean, there's most i think we talked about this last time there's certain things that we remember like we were talking about D last time where i was talking about it there's certain things that you remember for the rest of your life and then certain really important things that you should remember uh there's the lesser one which is moments in D. the second one would be i remember exactly where i was at for 9 11 and <laughs> i remember that yeah, yeah for sure the number one, I can taste it. It's that palpable. Uh, is whenever he called me about Cato. Yeah, yeah. Um, those are things. Like I know exactly what happened. I dropped my phone down into the sink into the garbage disposal. Luckily, it wasn't on. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It, it's whenever somebody has such a profound effect, like he did. Many of the people that are listening, if, and I know there are people who are not going to listen. Right. Um, the one thing that I would say about it is that I really hope that certain people that took advantage of this and made it about them, that they really searched deep down inside for uh, some kind of forgiveness from any kind of God or. Because the stuff that I heard after the fact is bullshit. So, yeah, that was so. I couldn't again tell you the timeline because it was so blurry for me. But I know, like you know, after it happened and after going to Cato's service, um, and this is my worldview. Okay, so I'm not saying I'm right. Um, and leaving there, I just didn't feel as if I processed my grief whatsoever. And it it was such a public event that it was, it was like you were in a Petri dish and you could see out at the scientists looking at you. I don't know if that makes sense. If you've ever had those moments in your life, almost the Truman show type moments where it feels like you're on display and extremely, but that's vulnerability, right? Right. So it just, I don't, it, things moved in slow motion once I was inside, um, you know, his services, but it's, 
I'm sorry. It's just, it's a really emotional thing to talk about, honestly. Right. Um, Understandably. You know, just talking about this stuff takes us back there, but shortly after his death is what I'm trying to say here is I wanted to get people together to talk about it um, because I felt like that was right for me. And I felt like Cato's memory needed to be left off with a positive note. But again, that was my perspective. And, you know, there's nothing. Right. There's nothing. This is life. You know, we, we were born, we live, we die. Um, for, yeah. Yeah. But I just felt some obligation to try and give Cato an ending or a memory um, that was warranted. Right. And that's what it is for me too, you know, so much as just trying to pay back for the little time that I did get to spend with Cato, you know, in his short life. Right. Trying to give something back to him, you know, because he did, I don't think he really understood what kind of impact he really did have on people's lives. Like I know he wanted to make impacts on people's lives, but I don't think he really uh, understood. I think he did some to a degree, but but he was very adamant about not, and then I think it, you know, Heb's story earlier will speak to this, but he didn't want the adulation. Right. And in fact, he'd probably be pissed off at me right now for doing this podcast. You know, like, just don't make things him. about me, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but he deserves it, man. You got to right. give people their flowers right. and that's when what it's, it's due. For me. Yeah. And he deserved to get his flowers more in life, quite frankly. And if this is one small step in that direction that I can take right now, that's the intent here. We're not coming from a place of wanting attention or anything like that. Um, you know, I just don't feel like we can do the podcast talked about as well without paying homage to Cato. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think if we didn't cover this topic, then it it wouldn't be all things in the same podcast. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, and it, but it ties back to, into what Brandon said, you know, and there are things that took place that discouraged me. Um, yeah. after his death and I did not yeah, follow especially through for that motherfucker. Like, yeah. So you can relate a lot of that type of stuff to like here and now and politically and stuff like that. We yeah. could go on for fucking right. hours. Yeah. But that kid, they call him a kid. He was much older than me. He's <laughs> bad as fuck too. Uh, uh, that kid and anybody knows Cato knows that he loved people talking shit back to him and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. If you listen so, to the old if show, if you barked, he barked back. Yeah. It was that. So if it's you, how it yeah. Was. So if you don't know Cato in that in that sense, uh, and if I'm on future episodes, I will never hold back, just like he didn't hold back, because uh, I think it's important to open up a conversation. But the absolutely the kid and and to shock people. Sure. He was all all about shocking the fuck out of people that's, to get them to think. It's kind of that tactic where you want to say something shocking, so that's you putting the hook on somebody at least, and then they're going to pay attention to what you say after that, right? He was a master at that, you know? Even as silly, like, I remember he told me one time, he's like, I'm going to get over bananas. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I'm just going to start saying it, and people are going to fucking laugh their ass off. <laughs> and I'm just going to say it randomly. <laughs> And I was, I said, what? I was like, are you fucking serious? He's like, yeah. And so he slept on it for like a week and I forgot he was even going to do this. And on the podcast, dude, he fucking popped me right away. He started doing banana randomly. 
And I was like, you motherfucker. Like, he, sure enough, you know, he got it over. He was kind of like uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin in his height. He could just go out there and say what, and everybody would say what back, you know? Right. It yeah. was like he had the ability to create something new, something trendy in that way, you know? Right. Um, you know, and uh, the when I, I do know when I found out that Cato had passed, um, and again, some time had passed, I, I just like the memory that I shared or what I posted on social media at the time, I was actually able to get, go back and look on my timeline. Cause I, there's no way I'd be able to remember this, but um, I thought it was kind of fitting. I shared a picture of Cato doing Pam and I's wedding. We had some professional photography done from a, a friend, uh, Amanda Beard. She did fantastic by the way. And the Is picture, she still doing photography. I believe so. Well, good for her. That's and, awesome. um, but I, I shared a poster that Amanda took of us, and um, I said that uh, so many quality memories, so short of a time, so many thoughts and moments racing through my mind at this time. This memory is as special as any, and again, referring to the picture, Pamela and I could not have been happier to have had such a professional, intelligent, and influential individual and friend officiate our wedding. I will be the first to admit I had not seen Cato as much as I would have liked to in the last two years. I saw him a few weeks ago, and of course things just picked right back up where our friendship last left off. I will always consider him one of the truest and greatest human beings I've ever met. He was such a great friend and would be there for anyone who ever needed it. While his flame might have been short, no truer or brighter friend, brighter light, excuse me, have I ever encountered in my life? And then I hashtag rest, rest in peace, Mr. Gabs, Gatsby. Um, Cato passed away on March 7th of 2016, so it's been six years since he passed. Um, you know, not that this was planned out, because quite honestly, full disclosure, Josh and I kind of on a whim decided to do this podcast again. Yeah. But timing-wise, like the spirit of what today is St. Patty's, we talked about it in the open that, you know, this would be a day that Cato was, you know, front and center. You yeah. Know, he'd be on. Yeah. All of us would be together hanging out, having some pints <laughs> and pretending we were all Irish, you know. And um No most likely it would not be Irish. Most likely it would be some fucking thing like, Hey, come as a hentai uh yeah. costume. Yeah. Uh totally and uh, come on my face. Left, or left hey, <laughs> Hey, so everybody gets here. Uh, the drinking game today is just come on my face. Or yeah. you're really into coming on faces. Come on, go- no, that's how fucking kid it was. It's <laughs> just... fucking stupid. <laughs> I mean, and then the other game that he would have there is the come and go, and he took after the gas station. Well, you know, so... he was uh, actually in a, a steep legal battle with him before the, his passing, and so that's why there was thinly veiled uh, concerns of uh, assassination, because Cato actually was in, it, about to win his legal battle with the come and go. Uh, uh, this is allegedly, of course, right? So right, I just want right. to make that clear. This is allegedly what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get so to So that's why it, there's man. such a mystery here. Tell and, your uh, truth. Hashtag truth still. <laughs> <laughs> so I will say, I, the version I heard was the Carpenter Society of America. Yeah. They were not they did not like his his uh, sectioned off walls with blankets. Oh. So they they ended up they failed going him on in the city there taking his ass out because he would not build a wall. Which <laughs> is I Sounds know in tune that with we were area. talking about Cato today, but I feel like I just said a very important quote. 
build a wall in Cato's basement. <laughs> build a wall in Cato's basement. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure his roommates probably wanted him to at times. You, dude, you know for a fact. If Cato, I really hope he's this most like grotesque. Like, if he comes back as a ghost, he's like this. His eyeballs are fucking hanging out. His guts are like everywhere and shit. And he's just like. Looking at it like, oh, I serve us all. So, um, I mentioned in the opening show as well that Cato, um, you know, left some siblings behind as well. Um, he has a brother. I, I don't know his brother personally uh, on any level, um, but uh, he also had a sister. I say that to get get to this that tragically passed, um, in an incident, um, out near the Ironton area. And I actually met his sister, didn't know it was his sister. I found out after the fact of his sister, it was kind of a weird set of circumstances. Cause you know, that was one thing with Cato too, that was unique that I really wanted to touch on that I missed in the earlier discussion is that Cato was all about his friends, which we detailed that. However, friends kind of came first friends were Cato's family. Right. Um, and that's something that we here have all learned as well, especially, you know, recently Josh and I have had this talk and Brandon and I have, have had this talk that in many respects, our friends have been there for us more than the traditional sense that your family would be. Yep. And, absolutely. you know, I consider my friends family. That's my kids recognize Josh as uncle Josh and Brandon as uncle Brandon. Right. As my kids, you know, with you and Pam, it's the same way. And, that's yeah. because you guys are my family. You are the family that I've chose, you know? Well, it's because we're the best ones and your, your parents suck, man. I can't help it. Uh, <laughs> Especially my, my dad. My mom, I ate her. Especially uh, my dad. I was an orphan. She left me underneath a highway somewhere. Oh, she's listening right now. Yeah. <laughs> my dad's need, definitely listening right now too. I just need you to sign off on that birth certificate. Cause no. I don't have one. Yeah. I was a toilet baby. <laughs> well, aren't we all just a little bit the porcelain immaculate conception? <laughs> Send money speaking, to speaking 4602 which, Marlboro uh, Drive. Have you guys seen that bit on the Righteous Gemstones where I'm still they not have a toilet baby? Into it. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm pulling all my shit yeah. Oh, see, I got to get it's on board. Good shit, man. Walt I got to get on board. His old lady has a porta potty baby. And uh, is born in the in the blue iniquity of the world. Oh God! That is the bottom and of a porta potty. <laughs> the one thing I'll say in our PC world, man, it's nice to see shit like that. Oh it's, yeah, it's, yeah, for sure, absolutely. Because I love controversial that's one thing humor. Too is sure. Kato was never PC. Oh right. no, yeah. Uh, I mean, you can revert back to the old episodes and it was, absolutely, <laughs> and it'll absolutely. tell you exactly how he felt about things. Yeah. And uh, one thing that was kind of telling, too, to this friend's point in, in Cato's obituary that was released in the paper, um, they actually made it a point to not only mention his family that survived him, but then the kind of the last line was uh, other relatives and many friends also survive. Right. You don't see that in obituaries typically. And, um, you know, I, I know that's a credit to his boss. He was good friends with Miss um, Do you have a copy of that? Uh, I I do, and I I can send it to you later. Yeah, I would I would love to frame that, put that on my wall. That friends aspect of thing, you know, 
again, you don't see that in paper, in the paper typically or obituaries or whatever. No, you know, it's just a rundown of living family or who's preceded them. In right. Death, you know what I mean? In fact, I can't even recall of an instance that I ever saw it before. So this is probably the first and only time that I've seen it. Now that I really think about it. Yeah. Um, Besides and, the town whore, because uh, she was, she was yeah. friends with everybody. Well, well, that was Melanie Bicycle. She came from Hardee's. Everybody had a ride. She came from Hardee's. Yes. She always had a burger before. Didn't she sell tickets she for the bands? In fellatioed. Well, yeah. And ticket selling. Sold, quote, oh. And she never so, had a problem with it. She was like, she was well, given a, C- she was the CEO of a company. She became a whore. I caught her riding Brandon one time in the Nature's Cup apartment, but that's for the story for a different I time. knew it. That's where that's them blisters true. came from, dude. Any of you my ex-wives, that did not happen. Or your current wife, yeah. That for sure did happen, and God bless you all. Boy, Texas is really seeping into those roots, brother. I hope our children yeah, listen to this when they're adults. It's kind of weird. Yeah. I, like, I feel like I have to have the personality of a Texan or at least a dialect of a Texan mom well you've got to fit in or yeah, they're going to they're going to I don't know why I'm doing totally that. I mean, I've never been on a podcast before besides the first time that we did it with you guys but I was like what fucking 12 and you guys were all <laughs> rubbing up on me and shit yeah. so I'm like I don't, I don't but we, know you're older than us so that's weird so you would be, that's not true man yeah, I went back in time Beavis Davis the 23rd oh, okay. 2000 century bang Naturally. bang bang if anybody knows that inside joke that's what kind of podcast we are. We're an inside joke podcast. There you go. I'm not even. I'm not even. A, I'm not even a for sure member. Boom. There you go. Hey, it's my um, corporation. You know, I was going to mention he had his memorial service too. I kind of touched on the fact of having went to it earlier, but he had his memorial service on uh, March 9th of 2016. And what was fucking wild about it is when Pam and I pulled up to it. It was so surreal, man. The yeah, the Copland, I think it's Copland Funeral Home in Park Hills, yeah. right? Yeah, right um, there yeah, by the, the glass, railroad tracks. Glass factory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, dude, it was like deja vu. It was like you were going to a show at the Legion Hall. Like, right. It was wrapped around the building. The parking lot was full. You know, it was, I told Pam, like, as we were pulling up, this is so surreal, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, 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 you know, it really spoke to his impact on people in the area. You know, Cato was an inspiration and a guiding hand in so many of our lives. Um, and actually what I posted coming back from his memorial, I was able to find when I was going back and looking for stuff that happened around this time. I posted that Cato Gatsby was an inspiration and guiding hand for many of us in the us Minnow area turds. <laughs> he certainly was a mentor and a confidant for me in my troubled times and matters and a stabilizing voice of sanity and refuge. The turnout tonight alone spoke to his impact on the world, forever loved and revered. Um, and how I actually remembered that Cato was the, how I initially met him, my friend Garrett Gadsden mentioned, like, and this is what he said right after that. He said, I didn't want to post anything because I didn't know him as well. But that dude let my first band and yours uh, open for a hardcore band for the very first time. When Hoods, as a hardcore band uh, for Hoods, who played at Bob Arenos, and I'll never forget that. And again, that was that was that speaks, speaks to Cato. You know, he was giving people opportunities that quite. I I'll tell you right now, we didn't deserve that opportunity, but you know, we we got it. Yeah. And um, you know, it 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 just didn't matter. And 
keep is always a springboard for somebody else too. That's, you know, and that goes back to him not wanting to get the adulation and things like that. You know, he, he wanted to be a facilitator for you to achieve your dreams. And that's the type of friend that he was. You, do you have anything you want to add to that, Brandon? Yeah, man. Uh, I think a lot of talks were mostly with, I mean, it can't not be said that most of the talks that I would have with Kato would be, uh, a little bit buzz or whatnot, but sure. the, especially at the very end, but Kato was very, you know, he's asked me exactly why I wanted to do, why I wanted to go into the military. And, um, I had explained to him that I just needed to get out of there. I think for me personally, I had, to, I had to leave to find something else. There was a lot of, I have a lot of stuff in my history, uh, a lot of hate, a lot of anger. It's still stuff that I deal with today, but uh, I, I was running away from it. And he was just kind of walking me through a lot of that. But it wasn't like I had to ask him, like, like I said before, it, it wasn't like I had to ask him to come over. It was just known after I get out of Domino's, I'm coming over or, hey, you mind if I drop by for a bit? And it'd be like a six-hour fucking conversation, a philosophical conversation. Right. Uh, with a person that wasn't trying to be demeaning to anybody else. Right, it's very genuine. He's, just trying, he's a genuine fucking dude. Right. And who can say, I, I don't know of anybody uh, that I've ever known who, he's a young guy. He influenced so many people. Right. That essentially, you might as well go into a fucking Bob Reno show it uh, whenever Silverstein was playing. Like, what what the fuck is that? Like, and I think, I mean, I'm bummed that I couldn't have gone. Uh, And and just like you, Barrett, there towards the end, I hadn't really talked to him much. but I mean, it was, it wasn't reciprocated either. You know, it was like, uh, we had just found our place and I was trying to figure out my new life and he was working for the paper. I, I think that the man could have done a lot, but I, I'm not a woulda, coulda, shoulda right. type of guy. Right. Uh, he could have done a lot. He did a lot already. Um, and he's somebody I'll tell my kids about. Uh, somebody, I, one of the first things I told my wife now about, uh, he was one of the first people I talked about, uh, whenever I was talking, uh, about first getting married to Mallory, I had asked him while I was visiting you, uh, to meet her and, and she can meet him and stuff like that. And I was pulled by different values at that point, which were all fucking stupid, uh, I was trying to get that acceptance of Cato doing our ceremony, uh, but fucking religion. Uh, yeah. But yeah. yeah, he's. I appreciate what he has done for everybody's life, and as selfishly or as selfish as this is to say, I appreciate what he did for mine. Absolutely. I mean, because for me, I never thought I was funny until. I can make him laugh. <laughs> right, right. If I, yeah, if I can make the, him laugh, comedian's comedian. Like yeah. and now, 
now like being able to talk about the controversial shit and right. and having the confidence to do so, I find some of Cato and I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm just trying to tell you the, how I feel is the truth is he gave me the confidence <laughs> right? No, to just walk into a group of fucking people that I don't even know and make them laugh. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I would have ever had that without Cato. Right. Because Barrett's not funny. He's very cold and calculated. Absolutely. He's Especially terrible. I'm definitely coming off that way on this I think show. This somehow. is the second episode <laughs> that we've talked about this, but you really need help, dude. Yeah. Okay. I know. I know some All people. Right. Betterhelp.com, yeah. I hear. So I'm gonna Yeah. Well, it's BetterHelp, and then there's another app that I work for called <laughs> you work Snooze.com. For <laughs> snooze. You can get the sleep at Snooze.com. <laughs> No, yes, but on the series, I am working for Snooze. I am affiliated. Thank you. But no, seriously though, guys, on a on a serious note, we've talked a lot about about a lot a lot about sensitive issues on the show, but um, this one in particular, this episode's specifically about our good friend Cato, and he did um, take his own life, unfortunately. So if any of you guys are feeling that way, or you know you feel like there's no outlet, or there's nobody to talk to, or you know, you, you need, you know, you just feel trapped or you guys are just not able to deal with things on your own. You need somebody to talk to. There is a hotline you can reach out to. It's a national hotline. You can call completely anonymous. You don't have to say your name or anything like that. But I want to go ahead and plug that number just in case anybody out there is struggling and needs need somebody to talk to. That number is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. And that's a national hotline. And if you're not comfortable talking on the phone, I know they have other avenues of right. communication. Right? They have web chat. You can go to the website, which is, let's see here. I'll pull it up right now while you're talking. While you're pulling that up, I know that not only can you go to the website and do a chat live on there, but there is a messaging, like a text option Yeah, you can as text well. numbers as well. So, yeah, that's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, and that's uh, super, uh, <laughs> suicidepreventionlifeline.org. And you can go there and chat or find a number, so... Just know that you're not and alone, by guys. Chance, yeah, sorry, Josh. No, you're and if by chance you're uh, in the military and happen to be listening, you know where to go to. Uh, it's it's an extremely important issue, and I think that everybody, to back what Josh set up, just take care of each other. I'm right. sure everybody in this in this uh, podcast right now would be able to be willing to listen to anybody if you didn't want to go to any professionals. Uh, and then we point you in the direction. Yeah, of the just reach out. So. Yeah, right. Never hesitate. I know, I mean, we're not professionals here, but you know, not to air out all of my dirty laundry here right now. You know, but I've I mentioned that you know anxiety and depression and those things I've suffered from in the past. So I could definitely relate in those capacities and some of the extreme thoughts that come with that. And you know, the subject matter that we're talking about today, in particular, you know, somebody actually having taken their life is. It's a decision that you can't come back from. Right, and it impacts, you know, it and impacts it so impacts many people. You, you know but I mean? those around you right. as well. And um, it's, you know, it. I, I'm a big believer in you have to try and turn over every stone to get the answers that you're looking for, um, particularly if you're passionate about something. And your life is valuable. Your life has meaning. You can do things with your life. Um you know, just know that whatever you're going through is can be um, temporary in the sense that if you get the appropriate help. And um, I also kind of wanted to take the opportunity too to, you know, Cato maybe was blind to the fact of what he did for everybody. So 
I also wanted to take the time to sit down and write down exactly what my immediate feeling was of that, you know, getting back into what was going on, you know, here in particular with his memorial service, Cato's memorial service, that is, it was, and, and then drumming back up these memories is what was happening at that time really allowed me to tap into just the mood whenever we pulled into the memorial service itself. And, um, I wrote down that in the most beautiful way, Cato's memorial service was just reminiscent of going to a local show. You saw familiar faces. Lines were wrapped around the entry as if general admission. Uh, I always almost anticipate, I almost anticipated getting in and getting a wristband or getting my hands marked when entering. Uh, when you entered the building again, it was reminiscent of an early arrival to a show, you know, early door time, people standing around, people broken out into their cliques, but intermingling between people and groups, um, <clears throat> as you saw a familiar face, exchanging pleasantries, catching up. Um, it definitely had some strong elements of deja vu, and it was, again, just made the whole experience so surreal. And, you know, upon progressing through the building and then entering the viewing area, it kind of got into those more Twilight Zone moments that I talked about earlier, kind of feeling like you're in a Petri this in there was an obvious temperature change and, and mood change. Um, but one thing I wanted to mention that Cato's, and I laid the groundwork earlier, that Cato's brother had reached out to me before the memorial that they'd put on and asked me to bring pictures. So I made up a uh, picture board with um, with some pictures of us all partying with Cato. You know, Josh and I doing the podcast with Cato, Brandon and I over at Cato's house, That's that sort of thing. We're going to share that on the show feed here today as well, but... Um, you know, he was very concerned. Cato's brother, Adam was very concerned that he, he would be able to have enough pictures for the memorial and, you know, and he was really concerned with making sure there was enough, you know, because of the style at which the presentation was and that sort of thing. Having been that Cato took his own life, things were limited and he had very specific wishes. So, uh, I was honestly almost embarrassed to be honest right now with what I brought in <laughs> compared to what I saw up. I know it wasn't a competition and that's certainly not, you know, the thing to, but it, there was just, I just say that to say this, there was such an outpouring of people and their memories and the prepared materials that people brought. Like it literally took up the entirety of the viewing area. I've never seen, you know, you go to, if you've ever been to a funeral, especially traditional ones, you see pictures, memories in the background, family, friends, that sort of stuff. And this was like that. However, it was more like, you know, if you ever went to a showcase at your kid's school uh, at night and they yeah. had like you know, the entire hallway was poster boards like of, yeah, of all the art and back stuff. to back, side to side, you know, it was just right. covered. You know, that's that's kind of what this was like uh, to kind of help paint that picture. And, um, you know, getting back into that mood and my feelings and kind of the after effects, um, we did have a submission from Bert, Robert Scott, a good old friend in and out of the scene with us back in the day. Um, he's moved on elsewhere and doing well for himself, but he actually sent me um, a recording that he, he wanted to talk about a memory with Cato and just kind of his overall thoughts and things. So here's Hopefully Bert. this is a visual, man. Look at that sexy yeah. fuck. <laughs> <laughs> gimme, gimme. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, it's Bert. Sorry that it's taken me so long to get you this recording. Um, I've started and stopped this uh, 
little interview for like probably 10 times because I can never really find the words to describe Cato. Um, he was definitely probably the most charismatic person that I've ever met in real life. <laughs> um, I remember the first time I met him, I was like maybe 17 or, or so, and there was a show at um, the VFW, and Cato was there. And I remember, uh, like, he was telling somebody to eat a large bag of dicks. Um, <laughs> and I remember this this conversation stands out perfectly in my mind because it was just fucking a perfect, like, Cato-ism. <laughs> um, but yeah, he tells somebody to eat a large bag of dicks. And I had to ask, I was asking him, you know, this bag of dicks, is it a lar like a big bag full of normal sized dicks or is it um you know a normal sized bag of large dicks and it was kind of a personal preference thing I think would end up becoming the answer but regardless that kind of solidified our friendship um he was one of those people that you know you couldn't help but want to be around you just kind of gravitated towards him um you know, all the parties and stuff. You know, Kato was the person that you kind of, like, sought out. You know, he like he was just that guy. He's, he made you feel good to be around him. And especially when him and Ben were together, that was, that was the best times, in my opinion. Um, it really kind of pains me to talk about this stuff just because... You know, towards the end of my time in Missouri, um, I was kind of going through sh some shit, had my own fucking demons, you know, and I kind of let a lot of my friendships fall by the wayside. And that's something that I regret, you know, to this day, um, is, you know, not having been closer with Cato before he passed. Um, and I know this is... You know, it's a dark side of the things to talk about, and I'm trying not to be too far in that direction. But um, that's my friend, and I miss him, and I love him. And I wish that things could have been differently for both of us. I wish that he was still here. I wish that he was around to talk politics with again and just to talk just everything, man. Like, this, this world, like... Everything would have been so much more interesting if I had Cato here to talk about it with. Um, he brought a bunch of little ragtag outcasts together and formed, you know, a family of friends. And those years that I spent down in that smoky basement with all you guys, like, I wouldn't trade for the world. But yeah. Thanks for letting me be the albatross, Kato. Love you, big guy. Love you guys. Everybody take care. I mentioned the picture board earlier for me. Um, I just kind of want to talk about life today and maybe in some way we carry something that we learned from Kato or we do carry Kato with us every day or how we remember him. I specifically had that picture board that I made and I did keep it. And I actually have um, my dad's. I actually have. Here, you can cry if you want to, man. You don't have to fucking stop the goddamn recording. <laughs> no, no. Uh, 
I actually have my I'll dad's manly man ashes. over here. Fucking Jesus. It's yeah. I I'm honestly holding it together way better than I thought I was. Cause like, I'm serious. Like as soon as I started even writing stuff down about this, I was like tearing up crying, you know, that sort of stuff. But maybe it's cause I, I did all that, you know, beforehand. I don't know. And it's, it's weird, but I, I had this picture board that I made for Cato and, um, it's actually hanging in my living space, uh, next to my dad's ashes. And that should tell you how important Cato was to me. And, um, you know, just the impact that he had on me. He was a big brother to me. And I, I don't know why I never made that correlation until <laughs> I, again, revisiting all this stuff. I walk over to it all the time. I look at it. I just, I just had a brand new baby girl. She's six weeks old. And I even took her over there and introduced her to Cato. Um, I love the guy. Well, yeah. Um, I, I said that as, again, a joke, uh, but you can see it just from hearing it and how much you wanted to put this on. Uh, no matter if anybody wanted to add submissions or anything like that, you know you didn't mean it out of uh, any ill will or anything, but the I hope you're listening. I hope you... Uh, can feel what I mean that same fucking gleeful moment that we all had whenever we hung out with him yep bring it back to him and um you know I just again the attempt for us to get together today was to pay the guy the memory that is due um as Brandon said you know I hope that what we brought to the table um spurred a memory at least for you you know, sometimes it takes hearing other things, other people, other events that get you back in the scene, you know. Uh, maybe how I described the the funeral processions and those memories that were laid out in there, maybe that, you know, that can take you back to something. But I just, I want him to be remembered. He has to be remembered. That is one of my, as extreme as it sounds, mem- missions in life. I want people to know who he is, what he did. Uh, his impact on me and our friends. Uh, it's the least that he deserves. And I want to take the opportunity to say this as well. You know, don't be afraid to give people their flowers while they're still around again. Absolutely. And sometimes you don't realize how much you love somebody or love them until they're not around and you can't love them. Right. And I mean that in a literal, you know, in the moment sense, you know, it's not to say that you don't love somebody after they pass. You certainly do. That's what grief is. Right. You know, there's many, you know, I even looked up, I didn't want this to get too cheesy or stereotypical, but I even looked up like grief quotes and just kind of intelligent essays and things that people have written about grief. There's so many things, you know, relationships, very important relationships in your life. You know, I've even read books recently that, what you go through whenever you in an important relationship, let's say it's a marriage, for example, or an engagement or a, a long-term relationship that you had with somebody, that special someone, you actually go through when those relationships in the same stages of grief that you do when people pass because it's your body's 
your mental states way of trying to cope with the situation, Proce- trying to understand the loss right. and process it. And you go through all the same sta- stages. And when I read that book, that was a very profound to me as well. And, um, I never, again, you know, two things that you don't correlate with one another, but it is how I've dealt with ending relationships with people in the past, whether it's romantic or friendship is, you know, unfortunately I resorted to just pretending that it never happened. And that's not healthy either, yeah. you know. Um, that you know, let's that... just in bear real quick, I, and I, I apologize. I was looking up those quotes just in case. I got. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if anybody's seen this movie, uh, "Eat, Pray, Love" from Julia Roberts. Oh, oh yeah, that that's is exactly the the metaphor for uh, Cato, which is eat, pray, and love. Yeah. All the things that he did, <laughs> he he ate. He loved, yeah, and he and, prayed. And Cato wanted Const- me to also mention that there's a film that is a biopic, very close rendition to his life. They had to change a few names just to keep it straight. But 120 Days of Sodom, that is his <laughs> oh, yeah. biopic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys should look it up, uh, watch it. Was it Mel Gibson one that Definitely. he made? Uh, the the fucking thing that hates Jews, I think. Passion of the Christ. Passion of the Christ, oh, yeah. I think, yeah. He, I think that was yeah, that his storyline as well. That was the sequel to 120 Days He song. came from a, a thorny crown. He had that on his head and then it goes, walked around. You got to watch in this sequence now. You got to watch 120 yep. Days of Sodom, uh, yep. Passion of the Christ, then Antichrist. Oh, it's, then Antichrist because you got to get the dark side of things. It's like yeah. the, basically right. the, it's a like the dark side of the moon of, uh, you know. Pink uh, Town. I don't know. The Transformers. Well, like, yeah, or Star yeah, Wars, you know. Yeah. You yeah. have light without dark. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, man. Eat, pray, love. Julia Roberts. <laughs> Brandon, what's a way that you bring Cato um, through your life still yet today? I talk about him a lot. Um, I talk about him a lot. Yeah. Uh, I Unfortunately... I don't have many pictures of Cato. I don't really have any many pictures that I keep around the house anyways. Liz is more of the picture person. I don't like pictures. Yeah. I like to reminisce and stuff like that. Uh, I specifically remember a picture of Cato where I had just got back from basic training and tech school. And I was wearing like this, uh, the waffle top, like a green long sleeve shirt. Yeah. And I was leaning over to kiss him on the cheek. <laughs> uh, I probably tasted that man's tongue at least 20 times uh, in my life with him. You're still tasting Because uh, he was never afraid to... I still got that scent <laughs> on my the tongue. delectable sangria. Try to banish that in your head. Scent on my tongue. Uh, I tell... I Anytime that there's a moment where it's a similar situation like me and Kato were into, or I get in this deep philosophical thing where my wife is like, will you shut the fuck up already? I'm trying yeah. to watch something. Why did you stop the show for the 75th time to tell me about fucking Kato? Right. Like anytime right. that that comes up, man, or the hours and hours of conversation that I've had. And, and I've had those conversations with Barrett and Josh too. Uh, but there isn't a moment in time. This is going to sound so sick. Uh, he was my first. 
and by that I mean my first suicide uh, to where I was it, it affected me as a person uh, to bring that same love upon people or try to right. and everybody always talks about Christ's love and shit like that and I'm not saying that Cato's a god I just, I'm just saying that the guy was fucking at least what he showed to me was selfless Right. Uh, he very much so was one hundred percent. All all I want to do with Kato, what Barrett was saying was, you know, you don't want people to forget about him. My kids will never meet him, right? And they will tell. Hopefully, they will tell their kids about this man that Dad used to make or Grandpa used to make out with. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So for me. There's few things that I want to happen on this planet before I leave. Uh, and I know I'm happy that that quarter of my life was uh, spent around him and you guys. So yeah, uh, it was it's good time. Yeah, I don't. I, and I'm not saying any different from you, Barrett, uh, as far as right. I, I thought differently. I, I'm just thankful uh, that I was part of his life. I think I was more confused back then, and I wasn't. After a while, I'd stopped trying to look for answers. I just, like, I think it was maybe two weeks that I tried to think of answers for this. and Right. I, I guess I just didn't. This sounds so stupid. I didn't believe it was a real thing. Mm-hmm. Right, like like it was a joke or something. Like it, you almost couldn't process that it actually had happened. Well, yeah, not even that it was a joke. That it, I mean, at first, I'm sure that ran through my head, but yeah, that it was. This isn't a thing. Just move on. Yeah. I could definitely and, see him staging his own death like Tupac did. <laughs> you know. He's still alive. Yeah, no. That son of a bitch. <laughs> what but a fucking this joke, Kato. Is, This is how I picture it, because Elvis started to get bigger towards the end of his life, right? Mm-hmm. This is my theory. Pills on the toilet, though. That's what Kato Gatsby direction. comes from the year 1990 or 1980. Fill in the blank because I don't remember how old that fuck is. Uh, He travels back in time, lives out his entire life as Elvis, right? Lives out his entire life as Elvis. Starts to grow a gut after being a kid, growing his life out as Elvis. Dies on a toilet on the last second of breath. He reverses time, forwards time, and then goes back into a body of Cato. Now he's been given all these gifts as the the king, clearly, clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cato's got a movie coming out about him. Uh, called, you know, there was actually a band Presley, about exactly what you're talking about right now. It was, it was a concept band. They were called Time and Time. They played <laughs> mm-hmm. here in Farmington, saw many yep. of their performances. Um, they yeah. adulated Cato in his presence uh, many mm-hmm. occasions. Um, yeah. You know, so that will actually... Coincidentally, uh, Mr. Time and Time did a little interview um, for the Time and Time album, 
And we're going to oh play that God. right it's now. It's a fucking conspiracy. <laughs> I knew it. Jesse Ventura has been listening in. And we're going to let you hear Cato's oh thoughts God. on time. You know, in, in, in my experience, <clears throat> a lot of things changed. You know, time, time will inevitably change everything. You know, it's the one absolute uncontrollable constant. You know, and people are so short-sighted to think that that it's 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 from point A to point B. They don't realize that time is is just that endless stretching of everything. You know, it's it's what gravity is. You know, it's 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 the essence of what the of what the energy that keeps everything in motion is. You know, it's 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 something that we very very poorly try to try to measure. We try to measure it. Uh, in moments, we try to measure it in, 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 in mathematics, and we just, it's, it's really all for nothing, you know? I mean, there's, everyone's had that friend or, or known that person or had that experience that, that lasted for a short amount of, for lack of a better word, time, but it was something that affected you, you know? It was something that, that, that sticks with you. And then there's people you've known your entire life that when they're gone, they're just gone, you don't, you know? you were over it already, you know, I mean, so you can't really judge, you can't, you can't, time's one of those things, it's, it's not like, it's not like money, it's not like the things that we do in this life materialistically, because it's not about the quantity of, of the time that you have, it's about the quality of time you have, you know, whereas everything else you're trying to get money, everything else you're trying to, you're trying to just gather and gather until you've got everything that you want. And so you have access, and time is the one thing you can never have access of. There's always something that you, you'll want to be doing with your time, you know, even if it is wasting it, you know, because that's a choice to waste it, because you can't control how fast it passes or not, you know. The only thing that makes it speed up and slow down is your perception of it, you know. And, you know, everybody's had those moments where everything moves in slow motion, you know. Some people are fortunate enough that their whole life moves in slow motion, and those people, those people take more out of it because they've got more, more to, more to perceive and appreciate in that. That's that's the most self-aware anybody. I, I think anybody can be in this in this human experience is to be able to to watch nostalgia being created while it's happening. Like that 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 that, that continuum of time, that that awareness while action is occurring. That that's just. I mean, if you're lucky enough to catch that once in your life. You know, it's one of those things that you, you will always... You might not remember the action, but you remember the moment in your head when you realize it. it it's... I always consider those... that Those are the moments in which you live forever. Like, there's no... there's If, 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 when, you, if when you died and you just replayed your entire life in your head, that's the thing that's going to last longer than anything, is, is that self-realization that, that there is something that, that you're happy in the moment, and it's not one of those things where you have to look back in order to be happy. You know, because the things that we're all, all the most sad about or the things that bring us the most joy later, not in some twisted way, but in the way that, in the way that you realize that that time was worth it. You know, like what you were saying about how time kind of ushers you through and, to, and it takes you through the bad, back through the good, back through the bad. And bad and good are a matter of a matter of uh, the, the the relative perception to begin with. You know what I mean? I mean something bad, something bad happens, and it's your choice whether whether you're going to take it bad, whether you're going to feel bad because you're being bad or whether you're going to feel bad in order to get past it. 
I'm Cato Gatsby and everything's worth it. Thanks for sticking around after the break. We just want to real quickly thank Brandon for sitting in on today's show again. Yeah, for sure. And sharing his memories of Cato. Uh, you can find Brandon on Instagram, as we mentioned last week, at knobnard yeah. underscore the unpleasant. Uh, we will post his socials on the episode as well on the feeds, if you will. Uh, and Brandon's diorama and custom work. We'll plug that again this week. So that's Edwa's Emporium, or Imperious Emporium, excuse me. So it's Edwa's Imperious Emporium. So again, we're going to tag that on the socials. So yeah, reach about. out, follow that guy, support him. He's a great friend, good artist. He's doing good work. Yeah, he's doing great stuff. So. And perhaps he has something that he can do for you. Right. So just kind of yeah. hit him up on his socials Send and him some love. figure something out. Uh, we also want to thank our special submissions from this week. Our friends Fro, Bert, Heb, as well as Pam. It helped bring the discussion and some other points of view to detail Cato's impact on other people's lives. So it's not just, you know, this echo chamber that happens here, but right. you're hearing from other people as well. So we also want to thank No Point. They're our featured artists this week. No Point is a skate punk band from St. Louis. Uh, it's with Heb actually on bass. You can see some upcoming shows and events. Just follow them on Facebook. Their Facebook is facebook.com backslash No Point USA. That URL, again, is facebook.com backslash no point USA. You can probably just simply go to the search bar on Facebook. It's no point with no space. So uh, just one word run together, no point. You can find no point also on Bandcamp and Apple Music. So I really importantly want to mention that. That's how yeah, you help support, support these guys. Music. Absolutely. You're supporting local music. Hell yeah. Uh, you're per, you're per, you know, everything's digital nowadays. So go there, help them out. Bandcamp in particular is a great platform, especially whenever they do their no-fee Fridays on bands and things of that ilk. You know, they really help out artists, especially those up-and-coming artists, and cut out the middlemen. There is particularly a show coming up for No Point that we want to plug. Uh, it's Sidewalk Celebrity out of Kansas City, No Point, and Anti-Thought. They're going to be playing at the Heavy Anchor in St. Louis. It's a great venue. Been there myself. Never um, been. It's I would like to got, check it out. It's almost got like a speakeasy vibe. Oh, nice. Like it's got a storefront you go into immediately and the, it breaks out, you know, the bars right there, some general seating, some booth seats. Mm. I think they may have even remodeled it since I was there, which was just three months ago or so, three or four months ago. And But it's got a speakeasy feel in it, like, because you go in there, it doesn't appear that there's a venue at all, and there actually is. So it's got a little door off the <laughs> side that breaks out. It goes into a music hall um, and some, like, restrooms in the back. But then also what's really cool about it, it has a back patio. And um, I don't kind of like a fenced in graveled area with kind of outdoor seating and stuff. So you can kind of oh. go outside and chill out. Huh. So if you get, you know, claustrophobic like I do sometimes, right. especially in small venues, especially you need to take a break. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So it's like it's the perfect setup for, you know, independent shows, the things of the silk. And, and a punk band is going to play really well in that room. So awesome. Really Good excited sound. for it. And um, hopefully we can get some feedback, if not go to the show ourselves depending on what we got going on and give you guys some feedback. So go check out No Point at the Heavy Anchor on April 29th. The show's at 8 p.m. That show, again, is at the Heavy Anchor, 8 p.m. on April 29th. I'll so, say it again. Support local music, baby. Absolutely. So for this week, I'm Barrett at Barry Insane on IG and Twitter. He's Josh at 
V-O-G-W on Twitter and underscore Josh Welch on Instagram. You got it. And we are out of time. Until next time, good night. Much love, man. iPod. Every week, Josh and I talk about what's going on in the world, what's entertaining, what's controversial. Nothing's out of bounds, whether it's sports, current events, politics, TV movies, you name it, we talk about it. We're going to have local artists on our show promoting their work. That's right, you're for the people, by the people. Stay tuned, and you can find us anywhere that you get your lovely, lovely, juicy, juicy audio content. We are now on broadcasting platforms such as Spotify and Stitcher. Stay in touch with us via social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Just search for ATI Pod. We'll see you around. Thank you.
hey, stay safe out there.